So it's Christmas Eve. We've been talking about Christmas all month leading up to literally this moment, to today, Christmas Eve. Tomorrow you wake up and it's Christmas Day. And, and every Christmas season, um, the, like, like clockwork, we can predict what's going to happen. People are going to shop for presents, right? You, you, some of you, like the smart ones, you start like in summer. Actually, the really smart ones start the 26th. And, and like when everything's on sale, like let's go, right? And that's, and, and you're, you're already thinking about the next year. So I thought it would be fun to just look at just some, some statistics of Christmas and like, like the consumerism of Christmas that, that we all like, it's just a part of what we know to be Christmas. Um, because some of these, like they, they kind of shock me, but also make sense. So the average amount of time that people spend shopping, okay? Take a guess. It's different. You could, you could, if I give you enough time, you could, you would understand the difference here. That's different between men and women. Did you know that? (laughs) The the average time, like as they count. Um, And it's a large difference. I'm actually shocked at some of these stats. Um, uh, So national statistics tell us that women spend on average shopping just for Christmas 20 hours on average, right? Which is like almost a day. Some of you, you do it all in one day. Like you just go. Men, men on average shop, and, and I'm, I'm surprised by this, they spend 10 hours, half. That seems really high to me. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I spent 10 hours shopping. So some, somebody somewhere is getting this really mixed to throwing off the numbers. Um, uh, here's another one, ready? One out of 10 people, 10% of everyone who gets Christmas gifts returns them. <laughs> so here's what this means. If you, bought, if you bought stuff for 10 people, at least 10 people, one of them is not gonna appreciate you. And they're gonna take back everything, right? They're gonna return what you got, but they won't tell you. Um, you don't have to raise your hand if you've done this, but how many of you have done this? You've returned a Christmas gift? Yeah, okay, good. Um, if, if they raise their hand, like if you're sitting next to them, just, just, be, just watch out. Just watch out. See what they do with your gift. And then here's what, you, here's what we all do when you return a gift. Uh, and this is scientifically proven. The amount of the gift is a direct representation of how much they care about you. Did you know that? It's proven by me right now. I just said it. Right? If it's like $4, it's kind of like, oh, Really? Oh, the clearance sale? Oh, we don't even take this back because it was marked so low. Oh, awesome, right? Thanks, Aunt Julie. We're wonderful. Uh, here's here's the, the most unwanted gift. Ready for this? The most unwanted gift. It's easy. It's clothes. It's clothes. And I've already heard a number of people, and I think they were all kids, say socks. Like that's the top of the, the clothes list of socks, more socks wonderful, right? But here's the deal. Have any of you ever opened your sock drawer and like, I'm out of socks? Like, that's a problem, right? More socks is great. The most wanted gift, you, should, you could probably guess this too. Gift cards or money, right? Like my kids, what do, you want? what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Christmas? What do you want for money? Just cash. Just give me the dinero. Like, Okay, well, I mean, you're easy to shop for, but that's not really exciting. 
So tomorrow, you guys are going to, right, we'll all do like the Christmas morning. We all have our different, different traditions, and, 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 and we all celebrate Christmas. And, and whether, whether you even believe in like what happened, whether you are even a, 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 a Christian or even like believe in God, like you probably, there are people that you know that, that don't believe in any of this, that the church is not their thing. It's kind of like, no thanks. But, oh, we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christmas. Christmas, though, is, is different than what we think it is. What we celebrate and what we talk about and all of our traditions are good and they're nice and they're fine, but that's not really what Christmas is. Christmas isn't go shopping and, and make sure you get the right gift and don't offend people and, and make sure like everything's covered and you know, have the right amount of gifts and everyone's got an equal amount of gifts. And like, let's just, the goal of Christmas is just, let's just not fight. Can we do one year without fighting? And every year you try and you fail and somebody gets upset, right? And it's like, oh man. Merry Christmas. But really, what we're talking about when we talk about Christmas is celebrating not the like the holiday of Christmas, but but the event of which it represents. And this event we talk about is is the, the we celebrate the birth of this baby who would be named Jesus and would grow up to be Jesus Christ, right? The Messiah, the one that we know and talk about and you've heard his name and, and Christmas is celebrating his birth. And so we're gonna look at, at why this event is so important because, listen, this may mess you up a little bit, but the actual details of the birth aren't that significant. Like it's not that impressive. There were plenty of births that were kind of would have been maybe similar to the birth of Jesus. Jesus was born to a very poor family in a very poor village, very small, insignificant village, Bethlehem, in very poor circumstances. And there would have been plenty of babies born in a similar circumstance, a similar setting. This birth at face value seems insignificant there's nothing grand or worth celebrating that happened at that experience that birth moment but yet 2,000 years later here we are celebrating remembering that birth and it isn't because of the details of the birth in fact here's what we're told about the birth and she Mary gave birth to a son that's it that's what we get that's what we're told about that night and so when we do, when you see movies and TV shows and, and the nativity scene and greeting cards, all of it is trying to figure out what it might have been like. But what we're told is that Mary had a baby. This baby, we know the baby's name. The reason that we celebrate Christmas isn't because of the specific details of, of what happened at right, right around the, the manger. Like, what was that like? The reason we celebrate is because of, ready for this, the birth announcements after the birth of Jesus. What we get in the Bible are the stories of what happens next. If you remember this, um, if you can think back to a time before Facebook, do you remember what the world was like? Anybody? It was so long ago, and, and it was, you know, I think there's no electricity, I think, back then, but like before Facebook when you had to do a birth announcement you actually like had to to like either send some some kind of messages out to people and it was usually like when texting was around like we would text so like our first kid 
It was like texting people, text, text, here's the details, Here, here's the birth announcement. Our child was born and, and they're, you know, this, this, you don't say tall because they don't stand. So you like, they're this long, right? It's almost like you're like, okay, let's measure, let's get your measurements and here's your weight. And, and you send all this information out and it's like, wonderful. Oh, it's a boy, his name, and here's the stuff. And, and that's the announcement. Now on Facebook, like, like social media, like people take all kinds of pictures and like all kinds of fun ways to announce and like, all right, great. But, but here back then, like there was none of that. They didn't do birth announcements. And yet we see with this birth, some incredible birth announcements. It's, it's not the what that we're celebrating. It's not, it's not how Jesus was born, but, but rather who he will become. We celebrate his birth because of, of what it means for us. What makes this birth so important isn't the actual event, but, but the announcements that come after it. So here's what we could say. The best thing that you can do, the best thing that I can do this Christmas for my soul, for your soul, the best thing I can do for my soul is to take seriously the coming of Jesus to seriously consider and look at and to say, okay, this is different than just like the birth of my children or any other children. Like, like why does this man's life seem so different? Why has it ch literally changed history? The best thing I can do for my soul is to take seriously. So, Here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the birth story of Jesus because so often I think it's easy for us to go through the Christmas season, to go, to literally get to Christmas Day tomorrow and then the next day, like, it's, oh, it's wonderful and it's family and it's, it's uh, you know, presents and it's just like, oh, it's just great. And then December 26th is like, okay, and, and depending on the family, maybe you extend it out a little bit, but a lot of families, like, it's like, okay, guess what we're doing? Clean up time. <laughs> And, we, and, and like you dread it because like all of a sudden your house looks so bare now. You're like, ah, what happened to all of our stuff? All the, all the tree goes away and the decorations. And here's how you know Christmas is over. If you have a nativity scene, when the little baby Jesus goes back in the box and you say, I'll see you in 11 months, right? It's gonna be dark, but I won't forget you. I will remember. And you put it away and Christmas is over. And you can get to that point and have never remembered or even thought about or read the actual birth story. So I thought we would read through it and, and look at why this is so amazing, in particular, the birth announcement. So Luke chapter two, in verse one, here's what it says. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place, place while uh, Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. Now, the reason they did this was because Rome was an expansive empire, and it needed money. And the way you get money is by taxing people. And the way you know how many people you have is a census. So you take a census to make sure you know who lives where and how many people and, and really how many taxes you owe. Wouldn't you know it? 2,000 years later, our country does census. And it's not because they're so intrigued with your life. Like, we, you guys are just so important. We just want to know everything about you. And the government's just saying like, man, you got, listen, you are so special. We're going to take a census. 
to just find out how special you are. No, what they want is, all right, give us your details. <laughs> we want to be able to follow. And, and, and that's what happens here. So they have to go to their hometown to register for this census. So Joseph went up to the town of Nazareth, uh, from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who had been pledged to marry to him and was expecting a child. That's the, the details, right? I mean, it's not even that many details. And then it says this, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her, her firstborn, a son. That's it. That's the description of Christmas morning. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. That's the birth experience that we get. And then it says this, she wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. There was no room for an actual room, so they go where the, the animals are, in the stable, and, and they place them in this manger, this feeding trough. Now, now listen, I, the reason we talk about Christmas, the reason we talk about the birth and why this is so special is because of of. Uh, of who this person would become, who this person would grow up to be, the Savior and the Messiah and, and like his life. And so at this moment, they don't know any of that. They don't know what to expect, but they just know that this baby's born and there's obviously something special about this. And, and listen, as followers of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, listen, ready? I'm gonna say something that, that maybe you haven't heard a pastor say, but here we go. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe, maybe this whole story was a concoction of people that they wrote and made up to get all of these people, including us, to follow this religion that they just created. Maybe that's true. Now, I, I challenge you to look at the evidence and you'll come to the conclusion, okay, this, 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 there is way more to this and some guys just made this up. But listen, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. I imagine there's probably people who are skeptical who are sitting in here like, all right, I don't know about all this. And you're here, and I'm, I'm so glad you're here. And, and here's, how, here's how I know that you might be thinking that, because that was me once. I was the skeptical. Like, I am by nature a critic. Like, if, if someone comes and tells me something, my first response is, I don't know if that's true. I need proof of some kind. I can't just take you at your word. And so I get you. I understand that. And here's what I'm saying. Even if it's wrong because of the implications and how important this birth is and how important his li this man's life is and, and what happens after the fact, you owe it to yourself to at least investigate. Maybe we're making it all up. But don't write it off before you actually take seriously this this thing actually might have happened. And if it did, it should change things for me. What this means is more than just a guy was born, but, but you owe it to yourself to at least look into it, to think about it, to take seriously the coming of Jesus. The sheer implications of what this birth means demands we take a serious look at it. Even if you get to the point where you're like, I don't know, you owe it to yourself at some point in your life to say, all right, I need to take seriously this man's claims. 
I need to really look at what he says. I was once a skeptic, a critic too, and here I am now on a stage telling you about this guy because of how incredible Jesus is. You owe it to yourself to take this seriously, and so here's how you do it. To take seriously the coming of Jesus, we're told in the story exactly what we're supposed to do. To take seriously the coming of Jesus, I need to do one thing, you need to do one thing. It's a, a word that we don't really understand. It's kind of an old word. And it's, it's this, you and I, we need to behold. We're going to look at what that means and, and why they use that particular word and, and, and why that's important. But you and I, we need to take seriously the birth of Jesus, the coming of Jesus, and we do that by beholding him. Here's what we see. The story continues, and it, what we read was the, the experience, the description of the birth. Now we're getting to the announcements. And the announcements about this birth are what we write songs about and greeting cards about. It's, it's, it's the amazing stories of what happens next. Here's what we see in verse 8. It continues. It says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. This is the verse that often is translated or rewritten as to goodwill toward all men, right? And we see these on greeting cards. But this is the message of this angel. He shows up to these these shepherds who are just outside of Bethlehem, out in fields. And, and to give you a, a better understanding, a picture of what this would have looked like, here's the fields out in Bethlehem. Today, this is what it looks like. Um, the, the, obviously, the buildings were not around for Jesus, but, but this is the terrain. This is what it looked like. When you think of a field outside the shepherds, this is it. Israel is very rocky extremely hilly and and it's not this like lush green grass like your front lawn like that's a modern invention this idea of this like beautiful green grass this this is what they would have been uh, hiking around and living in and, and eating off of and so they're out in these fields but it's at night so they're out cold, alone, by themselves. It's their job to protect the sheep from, from people who would try to steal them or other wild animals. And, and their job is to protect these sheep, even with their own life. But for most of them, really all of them, they didn't own the sheep. They were actually like rented out to be shepherds of someone else's flock, someone else's sheep. Shepherds were the lowest of the low. They were, uh, they were not even seen as, as real people. They were just sort of like, do this job and take care of my sheep. And, and so they live their life just watching animals. Those animals, the sheep in that photo, are far more valuable than even their own life to the people who own those sheep. And wouldn't you know it that God in his goodness loves the lowly. And he decides the first non-family members to hear about the birth of Jesus are going to be these shepherds out by themselves in the cold, all alone. There, there are, they are extremely special to me and I want them to know. Suddenly there's this great white light and, and, and these, 
these shepherds are visibly terrified. And they're terrified as you and I would be because every time we see in Scripture an angel show up, the response is fear, is dread, is terror. And, and so they're, uh, like, like if an angel showed up right now, like we think of, when you think of angels, you probably think of like clouds and like, like long robes and a nice, like a really nice harp that sounds wonderful. Like when you think of an angel, right? Or you have statues of angels or, um, and, and they're always usually like, like ours, like in our nativity scene. I didn't think about this till yesterday. Um, all of them are just, they're just standing so like peaceful like this and, and like their eyes are closed. So like, hmm. And like, like I'm thinking about this, our nativity, everyone's eyes are closed. I don't know how they like made it to the manger. Like they're, everyone is just like, hmm. even Mary, like I just had a baby. Hmm. It's very, very silent tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, what? You had a child. <laughs> but that's not what they would have seen. These, these like somber, beautiful, with these wings, angels. Hmm. No, no, no. This angel shows up and they are terrified. This, this thing before them is, is not something that you, you draw, you make a greeting card about. This is this is an imposing figure. And this angel starts by saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm the good guy. I know it doesn't look like it. I know it's very scary right now, but I'm a good guy. Do not be afraid. And then they, this angel says this. I bring you good news. In Greek, it's euangelizo. It's where we get the word evangelize or evangelical or evangelism. It's like this transliterated Greek word that we say, how do we say it? Okay, well, like, like you've probably heard that word. Like people describe themselves as evangelical Christians. It's because they're describing this, this one word that literally means is translated good news. It's where we get the word gospel. This angel shows up and says, listen, don't be afraid. I have good news to you. I'm going to share the gospel with you. They've never heard this before. They don't know what this means. Gospel? Jesus is just born, and this angel shows up and says, I'm going to give you some good news. Now, here's a quick lesson, a quick Greek lesson is... Uh, the New Testament was written in Greek, not English. Like what you have, what you read is a translation of the, of the, uh, of, of the Greek New Testament. And, and in the Greek New Testament, there's a word that is kind of, in a lot of newer translations, it's left out, um, but it's actually in the Greek. And if you look at other translations that are older ones, maybe uh, that are more word for word, this word shows up. So let's look at what this says in, in the ESV, the same verse, verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not and then it, it makes sure to add this because this is in the greek it's just left out of some translations unfortunately but it says this fear not for behold i bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people this word actually shows up this word behold shows up a number of times in this christmas story of luke chapter one and two it shows up when uh if you if you know a little bit about the story like mary goes while she's pregnant goes to elizabeth while she's pregnant and and like their their children are going to be cousins and, they, and elizabeth is pregnant with uh john the baptist the cousin of jesus and when mary shows up elizabeth says for behold when you came in, my, my baby leaped inside my womb. She says the same word. 
We see that right in response to this, Mary goes into song, and it's called the Magnificat, and it's, um, it's often like repeated and sung and, and, uh, and memorized and spoken, especially during Christmas time. And, and during that, in, in the middle of that, she uses this word, behold, for behold. A chapter later, after Jesus is born, he's presented in the temple, and he's presented to, uh, as a, a, to be dedicated by the priest and Simeon there, who's dedicating this, and he's like waiting his whole life for the Messiah, and now he, this baby shows up, and, and guess what he says? He looks at Mary, and he says, for behold. And then he tells her this prophecy, this This child is going to cause the rising and falling of many and is going to even pierce your own soul, Mary. But he starts it off with this word, behold. So what is this word? Why is it important for us today? What does it mean? And and why is it included here? In the Greek, this word is edu. It's kind of like saying I do, but like pretend you're British. Oh, would you like some tea? Adieu. And, and it literally is translated behold, but it means more than that. It means to look at intently. It means to pay attention and to grasp what I'm about to say or do. It's sort of like a, hey, 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 I need your attention now. I want you to think seriously about what I'm about to say. What I'm about to say is important. I want you, I want you to grasp it. I want you to perceive it. I want you to think about this thing. So when this angel shows up, here's what he's saying. Hey, listen, don't be afraid, but listen, listen. I want you to think carefully about what I'm about to tell you. I want you to pay attention. I want you to grasp this. I want you to to perceive this. I want you to understand with all of your ability what I'm about to tell you. And he says, I'm bringing you the gospel. Don't let this go past. Don't let this just brush over you. I want you to take seriously. I want you to behold what I'm about to tell you because I'm bringing you the good news. This is an important word and and this, this is an important aspect of the baby announcement. So here it is. Here's the announcement. This angel says, today, In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I've always thought that this was weird. Because, listen, think about this. If you... If you are one of these shepherds and you have this experience and, and this angel shows up and says, hey, listen, I bring you, listen, behold, I want you to pay attention. I'm gonna give you the gospel. And when a baby has been born, a savior, you're gonna go find him. And here it is, ready? Instead of, instead of telling you what to do, I'm gonna, like this angel, I'm gonna send you on a scavenger hunt. They aren't even given the names of the parents. You would think they'd be like, hey, go find Joseph and Mary. And they just literally just had a baby. It'll be like, here's the address. Go down the third door on the right on this street. None of that. They aren't given a name. They're just told, hey, listen, you're going to find a baby that was born. And here's how you'll know who it is. Any baby you find in a manger, that's the one. Good luck. Think about this. They then had to say, we're going to go on a search, literally door to door, to try to find this baby. 
They didn't know where they were going. They just knew it was in town. We got to leave our sheep and we got to figure this out. This angel sends them on a hunt. Here's what they're saying. Here's what I think this means. And I, I, and I think it mean, what it means for us today. You have a part to play here. You have to search. That, that this isn't going to be done for you. Listen, this Savior has been born. The baby's here. The Messiah has come. But here's, listen, here's your part. Ready? You got to go search for him. And it's not as some like weird divine drama where God's just like, all right, I'm just going to like send him on a scavenger. I'm going to see how long it takes him to find. It's just like fun and games. No, no, no. It's as though God is saying, are you serious about this? And you'll know if you're serious if you actually search for him. If you go out of your way to say, I need to behold. I need to take seriously. I need to investigate what this is. It's no different for us today. A lot of us will say, especially during hard times or difficult circumstances, God, where are you? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to imagine that a lot of us have asked that question at one point in our life. God, where are you? Probably multiple times. And, and for a lot of us, the conclusion we come to is really one of two. Either God doesn't really care about me or my family. If he did, he would not have allowed whatever the thing is. If God loved me, he wouldn't have allowed but it did happen. Huh, maybe God doesn't care. Maybe he's real, but maybe he just doesn't really care about me. Or the conclusion, option B, is there is no God. God, where are you? And, and you seem to be absent, and, and you seem to not like be a part of... Maybe, there, maybe you're not real. Maybe, there, maybe this is all just made up, and this is just a story concocted to try to control people. And for you, if you're not careful, you can end there and say there's only one of two options and it's got to be one of those. And, and there's plenty of people in this world who stop there. He doesn't care or he's not real. But what we see in this birth announcement is option C, a third way. And that's this, ready? You have to seek, seek him out. You, you have a responsibility to play here. And it's to search. It's, it's the reason why later on when Jesus has grown up and in his ministry, he says things like, 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 like ask. Hey, listen, I want you to ask and you'll receive. He literally will say this. And then he says, listen, I want you to seek. I want you to seek. And then you will find. But you got a part to play here. And he says, knock and the door will be open to you. It essentially, it's like, hey, listen, you gotta, you gotta actually pursue this a little bit here and, and God will do his part, but but don't pretend like we don't have a role here to actually search out. And, and in the beginning, from the first birth announcement, it's, hey, you got to search here. And then it says this, suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. This, this, great, this great amount, this, this large group of angels now show up. It's not just one, which is enough. Like, like if you think, like 
I, like, I've never, I, and I've, I've watched a show, Touched by an Angel, so I've seen, I know, I know what it looks like, I think. I've never seen a real angel, like, show up, but if they did, and it was in this room, it would just take one, and we would be like, what is going on? Nobody, nobody moved. And now, an entire host shows up. You can imagine these shepherds going, this is getting out of hand. And, and, and what, like, often what we think of is like this host of angels, like this choir, like an angelic choir. And again, robes and, and harps. Maybe they got different instruments because like, hey, we can't just have one sound. Like we gotta, we gotta we're, we're an orchestra here, guys. Okay, ready? One, two, three. And then they just start singing. And it's like, oh, it's so beautiful. No, no, no. A heavenly host, when it talks about the host, you know what this is? This is an army. They probably show up in their armor, in their battle gear. This isn't like, like the heaven's choir where it's like, you know, and then they're just sort of like all like, okay, um, 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 and they just like start singing. This is people, these are angels ready for war and they stop and they say, all right, listen, glory to God in the highest. Because of this baby, this changes things. And it changes even the message when these, these, these angels of war speak on a message of peace. Listen, as much as we are trying to, to do our part, it's this baby that is actually going to bring about real peace, peace on earth. So what do they do? What do these shepherds do? What would you do if you were the shepherd? Their response is a response that, that I think all of us should and I hope one day would take, and that's this, to actually investigate what they heard they had to decide we're going to go search this thing out we got to we got to see if this really is real here's what we see when the angels had left them and gone into heaven the shepherds probably said to one another what was that after they said that like did you see that did you see what just happened i saw it i thought i was making this thing like do we we all see that we all saw what just happened we did okay and it says this they said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. Let's go look and see what we were just told. Let's go see if this, if this really is, if this really happened how we were told, which the Lord has told us about. Here's their response. Let's look into this. Let's do what this angel told us to do. Let's behold and to take seriously and, and to really to really grasp and internalize and ponder and, and perceive the birth and the coming of this little baby, this Messiah. This Christmas, we all owe it to ourselves. We could say this, to behold the coming of Jesus. Whatever age you are, right? If you're a little kid here and you got your pack and you're just, you're so excited for tomorrow, awesome, we're excited for tomorrow. I can tell you, even as an adult, like, we get excited. Christmas is great. Or maybe you're a grandparent. Maybe you lived your whole life. It doesn't matter what age you are. You owe it to yourself to say, I want to take seriously and to really behold the birth and the coming of Jesus. If, if this is true, and if this book really is written by God, and what, ha what happens in here, this was actual real events, then I'm forced with a dilemma to say, this then changes things for me. There are implications on your life 
and on mine if this is true. And so you owe it to yourself to say, is this true? Is this true? You and I, we, this Christmas, need to behold the coming of Jesus.